Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 54 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I am here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved so thanks for being here folks if you're a first time listener welcome to the tribe and if you're a long time listener as always thank you so much for your support i really do appreciate it now i just want to say a thank you to everybody that tuned in to listen to the episode last week on riding in malta and i know a lot of the guys have got in contact with me via malta and um it's awesome, man. It's awesome. I love it. And um, you may not know, but I'm here for a couple of years living at the minute and um, really feeling a part of the community, you know, and the episode definitely helped. So thanks, guys, for getting in contact, throwing your thoughts out there. I uh, I do appreciate it, as always. Um, so stoked for that. And now just a quick update on my collarbone breakage. Um, I'm just back from the hospital. Everything seems to be going well. Everything's mending correctly and I start physio very soon. So that's just a quick update on that. So hopefully I'll be on the bike. Well, they're saying the start of the new year. So who knows? I'm in no rush. I want to get this thing sorted properly so I don't have any more issues down the line. So um, I'll go with their recommendations. Now, for folks that have been leaving reviews on iTunes, thanks so much. Five stars is always awesome. And if you um, just like and share the show with friends, I really do appreciate it. That's how we get more guys on the saddle and off the sofas. So thanks for doing that. Now, on to today's show. We are chatting with an awesome, awesome ambassador for ladies mountain biking, as far as I am concerned. She runs an Instagram page called Mud and No Makeup and has really only been mountain biking for around four years, but her Instagram account has already over 12,000 followers. Um, really stoked to, to chat to Tess Brown, who's on the show this week. Now, Tess has just came back from an enduro at Ard Murs um, just on the, uh, the weekend there. And she came first in her category and second overall. So, Tess, I hope you're listening to your own episode. So, well done. Well done. That's awesome. So, folks, if you're wanting some info on your first enduro on getting into mountain biking, on getting into racing, and for the ladies listening out there, how best to get into mountain biking, how to go about it. That's what we're chatting about today with Tess. Um, it was a really, really good chat. I really did enjoy it. And um, that, that crew, them girls have got going together there. You'll you'll hear me chatting. We chat about Amanda, who's been on the show, and Lynette, who's been on the show as well. And the three of them are friends. And um, have just become friends really through mountain biking so um, it's interesting to get her take on that and how that helps and how the social thing in mountain biking plays such a big part we chat about ambassadorship sponsorship all that kind of thing which tess has and um, it's just a great episode i'll get you stoked to get out in the trails and for any ladies as i say listening it's a really good episode i think tess will really inspire you to get out there and get on the bike no matter what is kind of going on as far as your your um your drawbacks or your thoughts about maybe not starting and not getting into it. So I'll stop talking as normal and I will introduce Tess Brown to the MTB Tribe podcast. 
Hi Tess, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. It's great to have you on the show. How's things with you this evening? Hi, yeah, uh, uh, great to be on the show. Uh, yeah, things are good at the moment. Yeah. Cool. And you know, I'm just after watching a video put up by Amanda Dexter, Wolf Wolf Girl um, MTB, as she's probably known the best for. And it was you and um, a few other people that I know sitting around a the table there, really enjoying the weekend. Were you racing weekend past? Yeah, um, we were at Kiritri, um, so it was the PMBA round four. Um, it was more of an excuse to meet up with lots of friends and ride around in the mud. It was a good weekend, yeah. Mm, yeah, it looked pretty awesome. It looked awesome. And I want to, I want to get into your racing a wee bit later, um, be, because I know you haven't really been mountain biking that long. How, how long have you been on the mountain bike? Um, so I started riding almost so at Christmas, it'll be about four years. Um, so not that long, but it has been um, quite obsessive once I've got into it. So once I got into it, it's been like pretty much every weekend since then. So quite an intense <laughs> four years of riding, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it anyway. And, you know, had you any friends or anything done it at that time? What got you into it? Um, so at the time I was working and um, as a graduate. So I lived in a house with lots of other graduates. And one of the guys who lived in the house, he had quite a few bikes um, and there are a few of us from work and we all went up to Hampsley Forest and rented some bikes there um, and went and did some of the red trails. Um, And after that, that was pretty much me hooked, really. So, yeah, it was an introduction through friends. Yeah. Wow. And had you any experience on a bike before that? Um, only as a kid, you know, you learn to ride a bike when you're a kid. And as, as they say, you never forget how. Um, but before that, I hadn't ridden since I was about, I don't know, 10 years old or something. So, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> and you were throwing straight on the red trails. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> so um, I don't know, probably quite a lot of people have ridden at Hampsley. There's a trail called um, Transmission. And it's basically got like a set of bomb holes near the top. Anyone who's been riding for any length of time wouldn't glance twice at them. They're not actually that bad. But at the time, I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> and I did not want to ride down one side. So I decided to walk down, which was actually quite difficult because it's quite steep. And then getting up the other side was even more difficult. So that was quite funny for everyone else. <laughs> yeah. And were you nervous at that time? You know, when you go yeah. up to the top, how, how nervous were you? How did you manage to get to the bottom? Um. I wasn't really nervous getting up to it until I saw it because I didn't really know anything about mountain biking. I'd never seen any videos or anything like that. I literally had no idea what we were doing. We just like went up to the forest and got these bikes and had a go. I hadn't even brought a change of clothes. That's how unprepared I was. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I was nervous. I decided not to ride that bit. But it was something about um, being outside and being in the forest and just being pretty disconnected from the world and just being out in the wilderness, if you like, that, that is what I really liked. Um, the kind of risk factor and being brave and daredevil isn't really something that came naturally to me, as you can tell from that first experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's so interesting because – that's the majority of people they, they just like being out in nature they like kind of disconnecting from their everyday life if you like and just getting out in nature and having a bike below you is all that all that better so it's it's interesting that that's what kind of was one of the reasons why it initially hooked you oh yeah definitely and I also thought I was pretty fit because I used to go to the gym a lot 
But riding is a whole other ball game. You're not just out there for an hour. You're out all day riding up quite steep hills. And then like even going downhill is like really physical as well. So it was a completely different fitness level. Um, and that was something I quite liked as well, having a new challenge. Yeah. So when you rode that, when you're out that first day and you got hooked, what hooked you to it? You know, what just, did you know at that time you were hooked that was you? Um, I think it was um, something that I obviously was pretty terrible at <laughs> and I don't like being pretty terrible at things so it was something I wanted to get better at um, and it was just you know a determination to get better to explore the wilderness um, and to have a new like physical fitness challenge and then obviously it's a pretty big mental challenge as well as you tried new features and new trails and um, so it was a bit of everything really and the social factor as well like people who don't mountain bike, I think, think that if you just say, oh, you're riding all weekend, they think, oh, that's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. They don't really realize that, you know, if you're out mountain biking, it's normally a big group of mates. You're having good crack all the way. Um, yeah, it's just a good laugh. And um, so that was a big part of it as well. Yeah, cool. And at that time, had you any female friends that rode as well? Um, no, but I quickly, I don't know how I came across it, but there's a group on Facebook called MTB Chicks and Trails. And it's, it started with a few ladies who ride at Hampsley and it's just gone massive, like literally global. It's mad. Like if you, anywhere in the world, like women can sign up to it and you just like write on there, oh, I'm, I'm riding in this area this weekend. Will someone show me around or does anyone want to come? And I've met loads of girls like that. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, and it's it was just a great way to meet other people, and then then through that, then you hear about other places to ride, you meet more people, and yeah, it's just really sociable. Mm, yeah. So when you get into mountain biking and you got hooked, did you get into the magazine side of thing, or did you follow any of the racing on the web or on TV or anything like that? Um, not so much initially. Um, I. I think I mostly went through the chicks group um, and then people would, you know, put links up to stuff on pink bike and things like that. So I'd have a look on there Um possibly Instagram, but really Instagram even I've only been like interested in for the last year and a half. So I think it was mo- mainly through the chicks group and just speaking to people that I got to know about mountain biking in more, in more detail. Following the World Cups and EWS has also been a more recent thing. Mm. Initially it was, I, I was kind of more of a, xc rider i like to think at the time i was a trail rider but i wasn't because i was scared of everything (laughs) um so yeah it was more just through the social really than the magazines i think later on i did buy some mbuks but um yeah not so much in the early days yeah cool okay so let's talk about some gear so what was the (laughs) first bike you bought then um so my first bike was a giant trance um yeah so i got i just went on pink bike and tried to find what was cheap and small and secondhand so mm-hmm. <laughs> that was what i ended up with but it ended up being a good bike actually yeah that's a popular bike to be honest isn't it yeah and it did me really well and i mean i remember when i went to buy it it was i think it was down to like a 1300 pounds and at the time i'd never spent anything like that on anything and i was just like handing over this money thinking what am i doing is this really worth it and honestly it was worth every penny yeah yeah so that's just tell us a wee bit about that. Is it is it a 27.5? Yeah, it was a 27.5. Um, it was a trail bike, 140 mil travel on the front and back. Um, it was just the basic spec that it came with. So it was some Fox 32s on the front and then a pretty 
basic fox float shock um giant wheels um didn't i think it had a giant dropper but it wasn't very good um just yeah and then i think it was slx brakes and uh, drivetrain right cool and you know were you like most people at that time when you were handing over that money were you uh, spending more on your bike than you were on your car (laughs) (laughs) um not in that instant actually um, (laughs) because like so i'd finished uni about two years before so i'd had about two years of earnings so Mm -hmm. i had spent a little bit more on a car but not that much more (laughs) but yeah it was definitely the most money i ever handed over in one go (laughs) yeah it can be scary yeah yeah um so what bike are you on now then have you still got the trance or what are you riding now so the trance lasted three and a half years so i've only got rid of it about one or two months ago um but in that time i literally changed every single component on it so when i finally put it to bed it was not the same bike at all so i changed the forks to 160 mil travel which probably you're not meant to do but it wasn't under warranty anyway so (laughs) Um, i also changed the shock to longer travel shock so in the end it was a bit of a uh, mongrel but it had uh, 160 mil travel on the front of band back instead of 140 and i'd ridden it on everything from like xc to enduro to like downhill trail um days at revs and in alethan so properly battered old frame but it did well um, so all the parts on it were actually quite nice by that point because I'd upgraded everything. So I literally just bought a new frame. So now I've got a Kotick Rockets um, long shot geometry. Mm-hmm. All right. Nice. Uh, but with all the old components from, from the trance. <laughs> yeah, cool. And, you know, did you find when you were doing that changing bikes and stuff, did you read up? Were you getting more interested in the mechanics behind the thing? And Oh, yeah. So probably one of the best upgrades I made to the trance was switching to a coil shock. Um, just oh, it was so good. I mean, I, I obviously didn't go straight from um, the basic Fox Air Shock to that. It was I did have a nice one in between, a Mazoki one, but that was Air too. But the the switch from Air Shock to Coil Shock was amazing. You just get so much more traction on your back wheel, and it's a lot more responsive to small bumps. But then you don't just blow through all the travel when you do like bigger things like jumps and drops. Wow, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So so when I picked my new frame, I wanted to make sure that the coil shock would fit, which this Kotick one it did. But also I'd been quite interested in getting the longer geometry and slacker geometry for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's interesting because that's the best way I've ever heard a coil shock being described. Mm-hmm. Oh, it actually yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually want some coil forks now, but, you know, I don't really want to upgrade unnecessarily. <laughs> it yeah. costs a lot of money, but because uh, I've got some quite nice Fox 34s now. Um, but yeah, that will be the next upgrade. Coil fork. When you changed, <laughs> when you changed frame, um, and you know the geometry and everything changed. Did you initially see that making your riding better? Yeah, so um, the Kotick Rocket is a long bike. I mean, it's it's called Long Shot Geometry, so you kind of expect it to be, but the day that I built it, I, I, when it was finally put together and I sat on it, I looked down at it and I just thought, bloody hell, this is really, really long. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was a little bit worried, if I'm completely honest, that I wasn't sure that I was going to get it around any sort of corners because it was so much longer than my giant trance. Mm-hmm. And like I even put the Kotick up against my partner's Santa Cruz, which is a large, and they're pretty much the same length, even though obviously the Kotick was a small yeah. Um, so yeah it's a big difference but yeah literally first ride it was so easy to get used to and it just rolls so much faster and it's just so much more stable 
and even on the steep stuff you just feel a lot more um kind of stable and secure because your your weight is not as far back off the back if that makes sense so, yeah, you, so okay, your yeah. field doesn't wash out as much so so yeah it made a massive difference to my riding i think i think now i've got used to it so i can't really tell but um, yeah, I've definitely noticed a big difference in like Strava, which is always nice to track your own progress. <laughs> and uh, that's the steel frame bike, isn't it? Sorry? Is that a steel frame bike? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, awesome. And, you know, it's always lovely to get that when you go on a new bike just to get that initial, you know, wow factor. It really is. Yeah. It gives you so much confidence. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, what's your favorite piece of kit you own? I think it has to be that Cane Creek coil shock, you know, that's been mm. the thing that I've spent money on and think, thought, why didn't I do this earlier? But actually, I also thought that when I got my first pair of 510s as well, um, they don't really last that long, so I can't really say that they're my favourite because they're not very durable, but there's nothing else on the market that really does the same thing as well as they do. So yeah, probably the Cane Creek shock. Interesting. And did the guys at Cortic, did they set your bike up for you when you got all the bits and pieces? No, no, I just bought the frame and did it at home. You did it yourself? Uh, with the help of my partner. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so if you could have any piece of kit on the planet, what would you choose? Um, so what I've got my eye on at the moment is um, setting up some sort of winter hardtail. Um, ideally a steel one or a tie one, um, but we'll see. I haven't quite picked one yet, but that's what I want for a bit of winter motivation. Yeah, just keep the 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 uh, coil out of the mud and the rain and. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and just just so much less maintenance on the hardtail compared to a full sus. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, now let's chat a wee bit about your Instagram account because that's where I really found you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've only been doing that. How long have you been doing that for? I think I've only had a public profile for about a year and a half, if that. Right. Okay. Cool. And. You've got like 12,000 followers on that. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you grow it so big so fast? Um, It does take quite a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It's not something that you just like post and it just happens. Um, mm. You have to post um, good content and post regularly. And I think you have to know what your brand's about. So my brand is obviously mountain biking and it's all mountain biking and how much I love mountain biking and mountain biking new places. And it's, you know, you've you got to know what you're, what you're showing your followers um, and just be consistent with it. Um, but also just engaging with your followers as well, I think is really important. If people have taken the time to comment on your post or whatever, then, you know, you, you've got to reply just out of politeness and, you know, mm-hmm. they've, they've been shown an interest in you. So you should show an interest in them. Um, but yeah, it's a great platform. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because with the podcast here, I would definitely get a lot, lot more interaction on my Instagram account than I would my Facebook account. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so I don't know if it's just an easier platform to navigate or whatever, but do you feel Instagram is the main platform for mountain biking these days, really? I think so. I mean, for me, like, what the way I do it is, for me, Facebook is for my personal friends and family, people who I've actually met in real life and I spend more time with. And, you know, I'll post things on Facebook that I wouldn't want the whole world to see. Um, I don't know. Or like 
pictures of my family having Christmas lunch. I wouldn't put that on Instagram because probably my, my followers aren't going to be interested in that. But also, you know, that's something personal I want to keep for my closer circle of friends. Whereas Instagram to me is really where I put out what I'm quite happy for anyone to see. Um, and I think it just feels a little, it's a bit less invasive to Facebook. Like Facebook, people put things about really what's on their mind or, you know, had a good day at work or a bad day at work people don't really put that on Instagram as much Instagram is more this is my hobby and this is what I enjoy doing and I think it's more of the kind of um just the good bits and which is really what people are interested in yeah yeah and it's I suppose it's almost kind of more like a business thing for you where it's just about your mountain biking and nothing else it's not about what t-shirt you bought yesterday unless it's a mountain bike brand of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah which it mostly will be but yeah exactly yeah so so yeah i keep facebook more for like um close close friends and close family and then instagram is more yeah my brand and uh, inspiring others and we're seeing what other people are up to as well so looking at their posts and getting inspired with what they're doing mm-hmm. yeah it's it definitely seems to be very very popular within the mountain bike industry the the instagram thing and mm-hmm. You know, just with me researching guests for the show, I, the Instagram accounts have a lot more interaction and, you know, they might not have posted anything on their Facebook account for months. Yeah. You know, yeah, and Instagrams I, every day kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's just easy as well, isn't it? Like to browse through, you just like scroll through lots of nice pictures, double click if you're interested or, or look at the comments if you are or just scroll straight past facebook's a lot wordier and i think people are just you know you want something quick and easy to look at not not spend a while reading whatever someone's written five paragraphs about Mm -hmm. yeah and people can find you on there at mud and no makeup yeah that's right (laughs) class name how did you come up with that um i think i used to have something else which um I don't know whether it's appropriate to say on here because it is a little bit rude, but I'll say it anyway. You can cut it out if it's inappropriate. So it used to be Miss Tickles um, because my first name is Tess. And if my surname was Tickles, you get. And that was just because that's something that people used to call me at school to take the piss. Um, but obviously it's quite a convoluted joke and I don't think anyone would have got it. And then I thought that, that then I kind of switched to doing more mountain biking stuff and I wanted it to be more relevant to mountain biking rather than like a nickname from school um so yeah I just had a think and it just came to me I don't know I think I think since I've got into mountain biking I've become a lot less girly I don't bother with makeup because it's just going to get smudged as soon as you go through the first puddle and I don't really care about wearing mascara and stuff like that so I think yeah getting into mountain biking has made me less high maintenance and then you're always covered in mud in the UK because it's always wet so yeah (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a fantastic name for it you know it's it really does tell the story you know Um, you're a mountain biker you're not posting up these glamorous photos you know of you on a bike with beautiful scenery and a lovely leg behind you it's the real deal you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah just get out there and do it don't just stand next to your bike with your, like your hair down and just like all made up because at the end of the day if that's what you're looking like you're not actually doing it <laughs> yeah yeah so you've also got a, a blog under the same name yeah um, so how did that all come about how did you start that um I think quite a few people had messaged me about um I think I put something up about a neck brace or a back protector or something like that and then I got a few messages asking about like what brand of stuff 
I bought and why and like what I thought was good. So I think my first blog was all about um, kit to wear for protections like knee pads, elbow pads, stuff like that. Like what what to wear if you're enduro riding or what to wear if you're XC riding and what to wear if you're downhill riding. Mm. And I did a couple others, but the only thing with blogging is it takes a really long time. What's quite nice about Instagram is like writing a post only takes five or 10 minutes. And um, whereas writing a blog probably takes like an hour or two. Mm-hmm. So I've only done a few because just purely time constraints, um, doing a full job and a full-time job and a full-time hobby. You don't have much time left afterwards. How people do it with families, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was just, just uh, to kind of like sum up um, information that people had asked me about and like, the, I did another one on like my fav, favorite pl- five favorite places to ride, um, and that again was from people messaging me about you know where's this where's this photo taken at oh this looks really cool so I just thought I'd do one on that, um, but yeah I haven't done loads of blogging, um, mm-hmm. just the time as I say. Yeah, it's difficult certainly is, and you, like where did you get your inspiration for your articles? Was it just what people were asking you about really? Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I I think I just have like quite not strong opinions, but I'm quite happy to share opinions and advice on on stuff I've found. And sometimes like as a woman as well, there's not always like women's specific body armor. So it can be quite trial and error to actually find something that fits. So for example, like back protectors, it's quite, there's not really any women's specific ones or it's quite Mm -hmm. difficult to find. So I just thought it'd be useful to share my experience to save other people the trouble of like trying on like 50 back protectors before finding one that was actually the right shape. Yeah, that that's interesting. And, you know, that's info that I think the industry is maybe missing. A little mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just Lady Pacific gear. But I want to talk to you about that a wee bit later because I think it's very important in the way mountain biking's going at the minute, um, just what's available out there for, mm-hmm. for ladies. Um, but out of the out of the five favorite places, tell us a wee bit about your your couple of the, your top ones. Um, well, one of them was somewhere I haven't ridden yet because I love going to new places. There's nothing better than like going to a trail you've never ridden before, um, and that kind of influences which races I choose to do. So I normally pick races on trails that you can't normally ride. So like they're on private land or something like that, or in, or they're in an area that I've never ridden before. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to pick. That's why I ended up with five. Um, so my local woods is called Gisborough Forest. Um, unless people are local to the area, they probably haven't heard of it. But its claim to fame is um, Danny Hart, obviously, is from Redcar which is just down the road from Gisborough Forest. So I think that's where he started riding. And mm-hmm. the trails there are brilliant. None of them are official. They're all not really meant to be there, but they're brilliant. And they're just built by local trail builders, completely natural. You've got everything from nice single track to steep stuff to jumps and drops and berms. It's really good. Um, but then there's the lakes as well. I mean, that's the closest you're going to get to the Alps in, in England. So, yeah, heading over there and getting those amazing hiker bike views is just something else. Yeah, sounds amazing. And it's beautiful where a bike takes you, isn't it, really? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's another thing that, that I love about it. I've I've been to so many places that I wouldn't have been without mountain biking. Um, yeah. I was I, When I was a kid, my parents used to drag me out to go for walks, and I just didn't appreciate it at all. And now that I've got into mountain biking, I really get what they enjoyed about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see them. It's really bad to say, but b- walking bores me. Yeah, it just takes too long and you don't see enough. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's. Uh, well, before we get into your yep. racing, is there anywhere you visited outside the UK that you really enjoyed? Yeah. So um, a couple of winters. We well, I say spent. We've gone for a week each winter. Um, the last couple of years to Malaga in South Spain. Uh, yeah, the, the riding there is unreal. It's just like super rocky, rough enduro trails. Um, yeah, there's something else. I've never done anything like that anywhere else. They're just so loose. And it's just really, really nice to get away from like dark, damp winter to dusty trails. That um, I mean, it's not hot, hot, but it's a lot hotter than the UK. So it's probably like mm-hmm. 15 degrees. So it's a lovely temperature for riding. Maybe not quite so much for swimming, but who cares? Because you're not there to do the swimming, you're there to do the riding. <laughs> and yeah, just just the the tracks there are wild, like just brilliant. And were you there with Nathan, Nathan McComb? Um, yeah, actually, we did meet him briefly last year. So we actually went out and stayed with Roost, uh, Roost MTB. Unfortunately, they're not running in Malaga this winter because otherwise we'd definitely be going again. Um, but yeah, Nathan was out with us one of the days. Um, I can't remember where you went with him. Might have been Ochen, uh, but yeah, so he was cool to ride with. He's a very good rider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nathan's from my part of the country, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a phenomenal rider. Trail's background, and you can really see that in his riding, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, he started his own company now, you know. Yeah, he's doing guiding out there by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, so he's got his Malaga MTB, it's called. Uh, does uh, he do accommodation as well? Yeah, he can sort accommodation and all for you. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's cheap. It's relatively cheap. And, you know, you can have accommodation close to the beach with a pool and yeah, you know, yeah. chill out if you want to. So, no, you definitely give him a shout. You know, yeah. I would lo- I'd love to send people his way because he's such a nice fella. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. We'll think about that for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, so, let's chat about your racing then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you've been biking for about four years. What yeah. made you want to start to race? That's the next step. Yeah, um, I think I was talked into it by some friends because um, I always thought, well, because, I mean, I've always been like one of the slower ones and definitely one of the slower people to progress. Um, but my friends were like, oh, let's do it. It'll just be a laugh. You know, we, we, I think the first one I did was at Hampstead and it was on like one of the red trails. So it was a trail I knew pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, oh, yeah, why not? We'll go and do it. Um, and yeah, it was good. Um, I don't think I was hooked straight away because I came last and I was a bit down about it. But then after a while, my attitude towards it changed from being, you know, it, like originally I was worried about my position, whereas like now it's more about riding stuff. I wouldn't normally pushing myself a little bit more in the social side of it as well. Mm-hmm. And that was an enduro. Um, my first race was a TT. So um, there's a company called Northern Downhill. Um, and they run um, time trials. So it's normally um, red graded trail center and you get to practice in the morning and then in the afternoon you get two race runs and then whichever's your better time is, you know, your final time. Mm-hmm. So so that's quite chilled out because it's only one track and it's only, you know, you get a couple goes at it. So if you mess up one run, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, the injuries have been something that have come along much more recently. Yeah, cool. And when you get into that race environment, how did you first find that? Were you nervous at doing that? Um, yeah, I think even though it was a track that I'd done a million times before, the first time I raced anyway, 
yeah I definitely felt sick at the start and like now when I do enduros you've normally only practiced the track once before the day before and sometimes you're racing blind so yeah I pretty much always get nervous when I'm on the start line yeah I would I would say it's I would say it's quite nervous going to somewhere you haven't been before as well and you know it would just feel weird you know and you're going to try to get down this thing as hard as you can for the second time <laughs> yeah yeah I mean or even our rock was like racing blind like you didn't even know what was on the track <laughs> and you're like trying to go as quick as you can but you don't really know what's coming up so you don't want to overcook it and like wash out and you don't want to go so slowly at crap time yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we touched a wee bit at the start. You're an enduro uh, weekend past with Lynette Deegan and Amanda Dexter. Now they have been actually on the show as well. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing to see the three of you sitting. It was really cool. I think Lynette was on episode 21. Amanda was episode 41. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you hook up with them girls? So Amanda, I met through Instagram, really, but that was about a year ago. So she used to live in the northeast where I do. Well, not not like right by me, but like probably like an hour away. Um, and I'd been following her on Instagram, We've been chatting on there. And we just ended up riding in the same place one day. And yeah, we've been really good friends since then. Um, whereas Lynette, I only met last weekend, but she's lovely as well. And I've been speaking to her on, on Instagram a little bit beforehand as well. Yeah, yeah. And here Lynette has been killing it. Oh, yeah, she's like, yeah, really, really quick. And yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she definitely is. She's a good writer. Um, she's been doing really well this year because I've kind of been following her because I've been on, she's been on the show, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, brilliant. And Amanda seems to be getting on really well. She seems to be progressing really well. Amanda, like, out of everyone I've kind of met through riding, she seems to progress a lot quicker than most people. She's just like killing it. She's not been riding that long. And yeah, she she rides like really, really fast. And yeah, that race last weekend, we were doing it because last year she she decided not to race it. So this year she went back and she absolutely smashed it. Like she did so well. Yeah. And conditions were hard. It was wet. Huh? Yeah. And I think it was also the fact that it was wet for the first time in like three months and everyone had forgotten how to ride in mud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was fun though, like, you know, something different. I mean, it's been great at race season, like with it all being nice and dry, but it was good to have like a kind of different different kind of trail condition to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tell, tell us a wee bit about when you first go to Enduros, you know, how do you find the organisation? Is it easy to figure out where you have to be and what you have to do and things like that? Yeah, they're all pretty similar, really. So once you've done a couple, you kind of get the idea of it. Um, most of the time you have to like go and sign up to practice and then that's when you pick your start time for the day afterwards and then yeah it's all pretty chilled out so yeah they're all very similar in terms of organization I'd say Mm -hmm. and how do you find the network in there is everybody in good form and is it a good place to socialize oh yeah definitely and you quite often see the same people at races I think once you get to a certain level of confidence with riding, as long as you enjoy racing, it tends to be the same people at most of them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what's the competition like? So I take it you're in like a, a ladies, uh, you're yeah. just racing with the ladies. What's the competition like? Is it Are people full on? Um, I think everyone like wants to do well, but then everyone's also really nice to each other. So, you know, it's not, it's not like two-faced, but, you know, like everyone's like, 
nice to each other, but underneath everyone wants to win, obviously. But I mean, well, it depends on what you, you come to it at with as well. I mean, as I said earlier, like I used to care quite a lot about what position I came at, whereas now, as long as I go and I ride what I feel like I've, I've ridden well, at the end of the day, I don't really mind what time I've got as long as I feel like I've pushed myself compared to my older self, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because worrying about what anyone else is doing isn't going to make you ride any better. It's at the end of the day, it's just you against yourself, as cheesy as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I uh, I seen some photos of you and Amanda walking the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, would you get help from riders that have been there more often? Would 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 other ladies help you choose lines, or is it a wee bit more competitive than that? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we we ride with all of our partners as well, so it's normally a good mix of boys and girls and. The boys will be trying probably harder lines, um, whereas, the, whereas, well, not necessarily always, but yeah, there'll be people who are trying the harder lines, there'll be people trying the, the easier lines, um, but we all have a look at them and we'll try different things and see what works best. It, it's definitely a collaborative thing. It's not, this is my line, I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it was amazing. I heard stories uh, about Glenn O'Brien and all telling younger guys over here you know the best lines to take when he was competing against them you know mm-hmm. and uh i just find that amazing because you won't you don't get that in a lot of sports you know yeah but at the end of the day you, you might know a line and but whether you can hold it is, is a whole other thing and also when you're then under the race pressure and when conditions have changed because it's rained overnight or the track's suddenly covered in loads of mud because everyone's ridden over it you might not be able to ride that line anyway Mm-hmm. Um, yeah that's so, true you might so, not even yeah. see it <laughs> yeah exactly or it might have moved or, or it might not be a good line anymore because something's got dis- dislodged so i think mm-hmm. everyone enjoys picking lines because it's like problem solving isn't it it's like a puzzle um so yeah it's a, it's another part of mountain biking that's challenging because you've got to think fast yeah cool yeah and what what's your biggest takeaway from from racing has it helped your mountain biking do you really enjoy that side of it yeah, I think it has. Um, I've definitely entered some races where I've been completely out of my depth and had to walk parts of the trails. But all I've done then is made sure I've come back a month or two later when I'm a bit more confident and there's not like people behind me trying to get past um, and then like tackle those trails separately. Um, and then that feels really good when you conquer something that you were previously too scared, scared to ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think it's great like riding with other people in the race situation as well. You learn a lot from each other. And also, you might do well on one race, and then another race your friend might do well. And it's, you know, you, you learn that it's not really, as I say said before, like competing against each other that matters as much. It's more, you know, you've had a good day and you've conquered something that normally you'd be scared of. Um, so, yeah, I think it's um, just believing in your own ability, really, um, and pushing yourself that little bit more each time. Yeah, certainly. And I suppose being in that environment helps a lot as well. You're pushing each other and, oh yeah, you know, makes you a better rider. Yeah, I think I'd struggle with racing a lot more if I just did it completely on my own. When you're riding around with your friends, it feels a lot more like a normal ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah, cool. And you seem to be racing quite a lot. Would you go away to meetings every weekend or what's your kind of schedule normally like? Um, I think, I don't know how many I've done this year. I think maybe I've signed up for about eight, but it's just that maybe like four of them have ended up in like two months. <laughs> yeah. So I have quite a full on job and obviously quite a full on hobby. So I try and not um, book races back to back weekends um, just because it gets a bit too much. Um, so yeah, I'd say like eight in a year is okay. 
um, to deal with like the pressure and like because on, on the run up to race weekends you're it's always on the back of your mind whereas if you just know you're going to be riding at the weekend and chilling with your friends um you're not as quite it's not on your mind as much you can chill out a little bit more mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah um they just all ended up in august and september this year <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it seems like you're out every weekend racing yeah yeah well yeah last weekend i was and this weekend i am so but then after that that's it i think for the year really yeah cool now for for somebody else wanting to get into racing what what advice would you give them is there any advice you can give a lady wanting to get into the scene and do a bit of racing um yeah i mean there's loads of it about the other thing as well is it's so expensive so like some some race weekends are like 70 pounds <laughs> and then oh. you've got to pay to get there and then pay for somewhere to stay it is expensive so pick something that you can do with your friends and um, maybe pick something that's at a local trail center that you know well so you're not having to deal with like a completely new track as well as racing for the first time um but just get stuck in it's generally pretty friendly i've never been to a race where like no one's speaking to each other because they're so competitive everyone's just there to have a good time most people who are racing at these events aren't getting paid to do it. It's a hobby. So if you're not enjoying it, then there's no point in doing it. So pretty much everyone's there just to, as I say, have a good time. Mm, yeah, sound advice, I think. So just go with friends, make it a weekend kind of thing. And Yeah, exactly. And you can, and if it's a trail that you know well or you live near, then you can go and practice the weekend before. Like the TTs, the Northern Downhill ones are really good for that. Um, they're a great way of getting into racing if you've never done it before. What I really like about Enduros is that um, you get five or six stages per race. So if you have one stage that doesn't go so well or there's a track that you don't enjoy as much, you've still got all the others. Um, So I think you get a lot more for your money (laughs) Um, Mm. because it is expensive. And so you want to get the most out of it as you can. And the good thing about Enduros as well is it kind of, forces you to do like quite a long ride so a lot of them are between 30 and 40 kilometers you normally do that saturday and sunday um so you're doing two pretty decent length rides two days in a row so it's a good kind of fitness motivator as well okay let's talk about um ambassadorships or sponsors are you an ambassador for any brands or anything yes yeah, so there's a few brands i'm working with at the moment um so um what do you want me to do do you want me to go through who i work with and why or yeah yeah drop. go ahead yeah yeah so i'm working with berg tech at the moment and they make really nice uk um components um i've got some really good pedals from them um so yeah and then i work with a company called cyclerize and they produce sell all sorts on the internet um so at the moment i've got a um tube strap on my bike and um, their ones are pretty good as well for the way they fit onto your bike and hold your hold your mm-hmm. kit um and they're great for being able to ride packless as well which is something i've finally been able to do with my new frame because it's got a bottle holder on it <laughs> my mm-hmm. old one didn't um and they also do one of the another really cool thing i've got from them is a mountain bike bell so like i think when you buy a bike from a shop they have to put a bell on because it's mm-hmm. like the law or something but most people just chuck it out and to be fair they normally are pretty naff but these mountain bike bells they kind of look like mini cowbells and you can lock it in and out so whenever i've been doing riding in the lakes or the peaks you sometimes do come across walkers and bridleways and things like that and sometimes they do get get you do get the kind of cross comment oh you should have a bell and you just think i'm not gonna have a crappy bell on my bike but these ones are actually pretty cool and yeah as i say you can lock them in and out so obviously it's not going to be ringing all the time but when it does it just just sound like a cowbell so 
I actually used that at Arge Rock as a heckling device because I was following my friend. <laughs> so that was mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but yeah, they sell those other stuff as well, like um, really decent lube and um, degreaser and things like that, all sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maxxis tires, I wouldn't ride anything else. Um, they just are brilliant for their tread and grip and resistance to punctures. Um, Mudhugger, Mint, always ridden with one it's only recently i've started working with them um also really good eyewear i don't get on with goggles because they just constantly steam up so i've got some mud hugger glasses and they change the the tint on the lenses changes depending how bright it is so that's great as well yeah that's the new ones they have the black framed ones is it yeah yeah oh they're yeah. so good they, they react really quickly as well so like you know when you're riding in and out of the forest on sunny days they they change quickly so it's never like too dark um which is good uh, Pinder tire, awesome jerseys, really good quality and really bright colours. Can't fault them. Um, and then yesterday I put a post up for um, Sender Ramps. So they've got a manual machine that's really, really, really good. Um, I just set it up last night and had my first go on it. I'm terrible at manual. Yeah, seen that, seen that. Yeah, yeah terrible, terrible <laughs> at manual. So this is going to help me fix that problem. And it's just a really nice way of like being able to keep having a go. So I, I don't know if you have a like when you've been learning to do manuals or whatever when you're trying on a fire road it's so frustrating so you like go down the fire road have one go it doesn't work then you have to push your bike back up the hill and have another go and it's just annoying whereas this you can just like sit static and like keep having a go and you know you're not going to flip over backwards because it's got the restraint strap on it um so yeah i'm looking forward to see how that helps me progress cool and how did you go about getting getting the ambassadorships did you contact them or did they get in contact with you or how does it work uh, it's been a bit of a mixture. So a few of them have got in contact with me and then, then I've got in, in contact with a few of them. Um, but one thing to say is I wouldn't work with anyone whose products I didn't actually like because I just like, what's the point? If you don't believe in what you're, yeah. what you're sharing, then then why why do it? No, no, very true. I think you have to, uh, you have to have, you would buy them yourself kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very, very important, you know, and... I think that's a mistake a lot of people can make to get a bit of help. They'll just take anything and, you know, you, it's maybe not the way to go, you know? No, definitely not. No, cool. I and, think it shows as well if you don't really believe in it. Like, your post, yeah. whatever you're saying, whatever you're, you know, it just doesn't work. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And do you feel that being a, an ambassador helps with your racing and everything you're doing? Um, I think I'd still race whether I had um, sponsorship ambassadors or whatever you want to call them. Um, I think I'd still do it anyway. I mean, I I pay for my race entries, I pay for my transport and things like that. It obviously definitely helps with the cost of mountain biking because it is pretty expensive. Um, but I'd still race regardless. Yeah, yeah, it's just a passion for you. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And what do the ambassadors? What do the brands expect from you? so um they normally well they, they obviously want you to to showcase their product so nothing's free you've got to be able to do something for them they're not going to just throw stuff at you so i think well i know the only reason they send me stuff is because of my instagram account if i didn't have any followers followers on instagram they wouldn't be interested um so it's definitely the kind of online showcasing of their products and you know explaining why they're good or also, then when you're out riding and racing, people will notice things. You'll be like, oh, yeah, this is from this brand. Um, but, I mean, I don't hammer it. I'm not, I'm not like, super – I don't always plug products all the time. I, I just try and keep the post kind of natural and, like, 
as I say, if you believe in something, you want to share it anyway because you think it's a good quality item. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to be sharing their products and and uh, posting about them on on the internet if that's why they're sponsoring you. Yeah, you know, I always find it's it's cool because if you have a product that works for you and you know it can help other people, you're just naturally going to promote it. Yeah, exactly. Like the Mud Hugger, for example. Even before I was a brand ambassador for them, I was like telling everyone how great they were anyway because they just are great. They 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 cover your wheel a lot more than most um, mud guards do, but that's why they work. Um, so yeah, I mean they they I don't know. You'd say they're expensive. I think they're between twenty and thirty quid. But mm-hmm. I mean, I had one on my bike for about three years before. I swapped it for a new one and there was nothing wrong with it really, except for it had got bent because I had to keep taking the wheels off my bike when I was putting it in the car. Um, but yeah, it does last. So it's definitely money worth spending. Yeah. And you know, the mod, I had mod hugger on the podcast mm-hmm. quite, quite early on. And the main reason they started the mud guards were, I don't know if you know this story, but when they would have went out riding, they would have then just initially went to one of their local pubs. Mm-hmm to get heated up or whatever but the guys wouldn't allow them in because they were too mucky wow brilliant (laughs) isn't that interesting yeah that's well good (laughs) they definitely work (laughs) yeah cool all right let's have a wee chat about ladies in mountain biking because i i love what amanda and lynette and yourself are doing for ladies in the sport i think it's very important to have people like yourselves that are very much on let's say a a normal level if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah and you're approachable and stuff i think that's very important yeah like i think for me like my account is about inspiring others to have a go at the sport and i'm never going to be the fastest rider and i'm never going to be you know the best at doing massive jumps or big drops or anything like that but i'm always keen to have a go i'm always keen to go out and have a good time and go and explore new places and that's really what I like promoting about the sport it's you know not out of every mount well, out of all the mountain bikers in the world there's only a very small percentage that are going to be making a career out of it or mm. you know where they get paid for it but for me what I'm promoting is more you know the hobby lifestyle side of it yeah and I think that's very important because that's like you say what most people will be doing mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah and if, if somebody's wanting to get into mountain biking and they don't really have friends that do it or anything like that. And with your experience now, what advice would you give ladies wanting to get involved in the mountain bike scene? Um, that MTB Chicks and Trails group on Facebook is an absolute godsend for that. Um, really good, really friendly. You can literally ask anything on there as well, like anything from um, what tyre should I run to how do I change my brake pads to much more complicated things like how do I um, set up my shock um you know like the rebound and compression and things like that so you know there's there's no question that's going to get laughed at um and people are really friendly on there as well and they'll do all sorts of um organizing um rides and things like that um aside from that there's quite a lot of women's specific events now so there's things like the fox hunt that's all for women um there's an event called air maiden that happens each year as well in scotland that's brilliant as well so there's plenty out there you've just got to you know, be brave and just just go out there and meet people because I think the mountain biking community is very open and welcoming. You never really get a mountain biker who's not happy to chat. Yeah, and I think 
You know, I I think the majority of guys out there that are riding, they want to see more ladies involved in it, you know, and I think some ladies get put off because it's so male-dominated. Yeah, that's never really put me off. I know there's a lot of talk about it, but I don't know whether it's because... so. My job, I'm a chemical engineer, so as an engineer, there's not that many women that do engineering, but that's never really been something that I think about. You just go and do it anyway. Um, I don't know whether that's me just being like ignorant, some people being shy about stuff like that, but until like no one's going to turn around and be like, oh, you can't do that. You know, we live in a modern world. Just go out and do it anyway. It doesn't really matter whether you're a boy or a girl, just go and have fun. Yeah, that's it. Just have fun initially and don't let guys take you down red runs like they did with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I think girls would do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I think um, like when you get really good at red run isn't scary. You just think, oh, it's nothing. But when you're starting out, it is pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's it, don't you? You just forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird. Um, now, we talked a wee bit earlier about neck braces. Do you think like brands have a large part to play in ladies getting involved in, in mountain biking as well? Um, what do you mean, like kit available or? Yeah, yeah, just kit available and and stuff like that, and you know, just I know stuff can be bright for guys as well, but a lot uh-huh. of the gear looks very manlyish, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so I think now there is quite a lot more women-specific stuff, but I find that the women-specific stuff doesn't even fit me. I don't know who they're designing it for, but sometimes they're, like, just really tight, and it's like, if you do lots of cycling, you've probably got muscly thighs. Um, So I don't know if the women-specific stuff even fits me anyway, to be honest. Um, But, yeah, like, like when I first started riding, there wasn't really that much, and I think it's only been the last couple of years that it's really come to market so much, so... Almost four years ago, when I started riding, I just ended up buying men's stuff. Um, I don't think it really bothered me as such. I just wore loads of really baggy shorts and baggy tops. And now I look back at, fi- at pictures and they didn't look that great. But at the time, <laughs> I was just like, I just want to ride my bike. I just need something suitable. Just wear whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, it, it is nice to have kit that fits better. But, I mean, it's not going to stop me riding if I can't find it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I know I know what you're saying. Get out on the bike, see how much enjoyment you get out of it, and then the fashion thing will not really matter to you that much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you put it together much more succinctly than I did. <laughs> um, so at the minute, is there any kind of lady mountain bikers you follow for motivation or anything like that? Oh, yeah, Rachel Atherton is just something else, isn't she? She's amazing. I love, yeah. I love watching her downhill runs, and she's just... She just comes across as really honest and down to earth on her social media as well. Um, so, yeah, I love watching her for downhill stuff. Katie Winton's doing amazing on the EWS. Um, but Bex Broner and Martha Gill, they're hilarious with their Go On Girls account on Instagram. I don't know whether you've seen that. No, I haven't seen that. No. Oh, it's brilliant. You need to follow them. They're so funny. Like, they're just really down to earth. They just have a good time. and They're great to watch. Um, and I actually, well, I didn't properly speak to them last weekend, but they were sat around the table with us last weekend. So that was quite nice to kind of half meet them. Um, and then Veronique Sandler, she's like the steesiest woman out there, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they'd be my, my top women to watch for mountain biking inspiration. Yeah. And do you follow the EWS and the UCI and stuff like that? 
Um, I kind of follow the EWS, but mostly on social media. I don't actually watch the recaps, whereas I do watch the Red Bull TV coverage of the downhill stuff. Um, mm. I think it's just because I don't know where to find it, but it might just be really obvious and on Red Bull as well. But I just haven't really sought it out as much. Yeah, I think if you want to watch the EWS, you can just go to their website and uh, highlights from there. Yeah, which is weird because I ride more enduro than I do downhill, but I don't know whether downhill just is like better TV watching, even if it's not what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And over the years you've been out now riding and competing, do you see more ladies on the trails? Is there more ladies getting out there and getting on the trails and enjoying it? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think the women's mountain biking is getting bigger and it's definitely getting more competitive. Um, the first few races I did, there was only a handful of women racing, whereas now there's there's quite a lot. I mean, obviously, there's nowhere near as many as men. But I mean, the last few races I've done, there's been a really good turnout in the women's as well and definitely getting quicker, all of them. <laughs> definitely <laughs> getting more competitive. Yeah, certainly. And do you go to the gym or anything, Tess? Um, I hate the gym. I used to love the gym, but now I discovered mountain biking. <laughs> um, yeah. I only go as a means to an end. So in the winter, I will go spinning and I will do more in the gym. Whereas in the summer, if there's any reason that I could be outside instead, I'll do that. Yeah, no, I know it's hard. It's hard when the weather's nice and you've trails there and everything else to go to the gym. Eh? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, it yeah. probably would be better to do a bit more. It's just finding the time with everything else as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very true. It's very true. So let's talk about the, the future for modern no makeup. Um, what have you got planned? Is there anything you've got planned in the near future? Any big races you're going to attend? Um, so this weekend is Ardmore's. Um, that's only about half an hour down the road. So I'm racing that. Um, last year, I don't know whether you saw any of the pictures, but it was just like epic mud fests. Did you see any of it? <laughs> I did see some images from it. Yeah, oh, it was mad. It was so much fun. I think it's going to be a lot drier this year, so it'll be interesting to see how the trails run when it's actually dry and not soaking. Because <laughs> um, mm. that's another one that's on private land, so normally you can't ride the trails except for during the event. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that this weekend. So we've got some friends coming up. We'll be riding with them, racing with them, and then hardlines on. So looking forward to catching up with that. Um, mm-hmm. After that, that's kind of the end of the race calendar for me this year. Um, but hopefully moving nearer the forest soon and getting to start building some trails in a local forest um, and then hopefully building my hard tail and then looking to next year's races. So, yeah, cool, see. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I did notice you'd put up a post about you were moving closer to the, the forest. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that is that a mountain biking inspired move? Yeah, definitely. Wow. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, hoping to move to Gisborough pretty soon. Um, and that's what I was talking about earlier with the really natural trails and help building some of them, hopefully. And just, just being able to pedal out the door into the forest. That's the dream. Yeah, wow. That is a bit of a dream, eh? Yeah. Classic. Well, that that's awesome. And how can how can people best get in contact with you and keep up with your, your racing and your adventures, Tess? Um, my main platform is Instagram. So just um, it's at mud underscore and underscore no underscore makeup um yeah so yeah just on there's best place cool and your blog is the same yeah yeah i don't blog as much at the moment um okay but yeah so i'd say instagram's probably the best one instagram's the best spot all right and if you send me links through to your sponsors and 
maybe the Facebook page you've been chatting about and stuff like that, I'll stick them on the show notes so that people can uh, can yeah. get quick access to it. Yeah, for sure. That's good because I'm sure people, you know, you've been chatting, people want to know what you're you're using and wearing because it might encourage them to check it out and do the same, you know. Yeah, of course, no problem. Brilliant. So th- thanks so much, Tess, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And would you believe that's an R? That's an R we've been chatting. We've just been talking about mountain biking for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so listen, thanks so much and good luck for this weekend. Um, is any of the other, is Amanda or Lynette joining you there? No, unfortunately not. Um, I think Amanda's racing the fox hunt next weekend and Nett's got some um, Scottish Enduro Series races coming up. So They'll be killing it elsewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, all right. Well, I, I do enjoy keeping up with your adventures and everything you girls are doing. I think you are doing really good stuff for for the sport and for ladies wanting to get into it. So well done. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Well, we have a great time doing it. If we inspire anyone else to get involved, then that's just a bonus. Yeah, perfect. All right, Tess. Thanks so much. Have a good evening. Thank you. Cheers. Speak to you later. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's episode number 54 done and on the books, people. And I hope you enjoyed that. And Tess, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I know you're busy there with your work and your bike schedule, everything else. So um, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and having a chat with me. And I know your episode will go down a storm because it's such a good one. And um, you're such a good ambassador for the sport. The weekend result just shows that. You're so enthusiastic and um, you you're just you're just a real good role model i think um for all the girls that are thinking about getting into into mountain biking and for the guys as well because you're certainly more keyed in than than myself and i'm sure a lot of folks listening so thanks so much for coming on tess i do appreciate it now peeps if you want to know a wee bit more about tess read the show notes on the website or find out who your sponsors are and uh, have a look at them online you can do so just simply go to the show notes which are there on the website and um, you'll find them just by searching episode 054 the website address is mtb-tribe.com you can also get more involved there and you can subscribe there get an email once a week just telling you who's coming on the show i won't bombard you with a lot of rubbish or anything like that you can also get in contact with me there just simply go to the contact page throw me over an email and um, I will definitely read. I I do accept anything like people wanting to get certain guests on the show or certain sides of the industry they want covered or certain things they want to know more about. Just let me know and I will definitely try and get that on the show for you at some stage. So I would appreciate that. Now, to help the show out, folks, the best thing to do is to go onto iTunes or wherever you may listen to it, Stitcher, um, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you may listen to the the podcast and simply give it a like give it a review and share it with friends i would love you just to even go on to social media we are on instagram and facebook at mtv tribe just like it and share it with friends take a a screen grab whatever you want to do and share it however you want to go about that that is the best way to get the word of mouth so if there's somebody out there that you know would enjoy the podcast or there's something relevant to them they can then find the podcast a lot easier and um, they can even listen to it from the website. It's as simple as that. So I would really appreciate that, folks. It helps the podcast out, helps people get to know the podcasts here and um, gets more people, hopefully, on the pedals off the sofa. So <laughs> that's it for this week, folks. I'll be back next week with another exciting episode of MTV Tribe. So thanks for tuning in. 
Thanks for letting me be in your earballs, and I will speak to you guys next week. Have a good one.